Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Just to imagine a a few months ago, uh, Joe had a small stroke and still able to play the piano so beautifully. What What a blessing that is this morning. It's really good to be up here this week, mostly because I've been like on death's door with a, an illness all week. It was some weird stomach thing that turned into a head cold. It was, it was a lot of fun. I spent most of the week in bed. Um, but I say that not so you feel sorry for me, because uh, we don't really give much sympathy around our household. It's like, you know what? Suck it up and get over it. But I say that to say this. Uh, Matt was mentioning the painting in here. I think it looks fantastic, don't you guys? What he didn't mention, and he's going to be mad at me for saying this, but I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so there's no stopping me, is that he did most of the, the painting all by himself this week. Twice. So this is uh, our fearless leader. This is the kind of guy that we get behind, and I'm proud to, to be serving with you. Thank you so much for that. So I'll move on from that now. As we continue our, our series, Testing Our, ins- our, our Assurance, it's a, the book of 1 John is all about our assurance of salvation. So as we continue in our series, uh, Pastor Matt preached last week that as Christians, we don't need to live in the darkness. We need to stay in the light. And specifically, we need to stay on the path, the illuminated path of forgiveness. So let's see what John has for us this week as he kind of continues this idea. But first, we're going to play a little game. You guys want to play a little game? Sure, no, okay, all right. Have you ever, have you ever played that game? I don't know. Have you ever is like this. I'm going to mention a few scenarios. If you've ever done one of these things, you get a point. Just keep scoring your head, and I'm going I'm to ask what your score is at the end. But I'm going to say something, and if you've ever done this, then you get a point, okay? I'm not going to tell you yet if the points are good or bad. Just keep track. All right, let's start out. Have you ever received a speeding ticket? Any of my lead foot brethren out there? That seems like a common thing. Most of us have done that. Have you ever said something you didn't mean to out of anger? Yeah, right? See? Have you ever broken something like a window and ran away? Or maybe it was at the grocery store. You dropped something all over the ground or you broke something at a store and you kind of no one saw. So you just kind of did one of these, started checking out stuff. Have you ever done something like that? Have you ever cheated on a test? Even if it's just one tiny little answer, you're like, I'm having a problem with number four, and you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Sometimes it's easy. Not that I've done that. Have you ever, this is a pretty common one, have you ever disobeyed a parent? Not my daughter's error. She was perfect, so she never disobeyed us. Have you ever broken a law in a foreign country? That one's fun. Broken a law in a foreign country. Doesn't matter how big or small it was. Broken a law in a foreign country. Have you ever been hospitalized for doing something reckless? 
or doing something you weren't supposed to be. It could be texting while you're driving. It could be just not paying attention. It could be doing something you know you shouldn't have been doing, and you actually ended up hospitalized over it. Have you ever taken something small from work, whether it was an envelope, a stamp, something small that no one would miss? There's a ton of it there. Have you ever taken something from work? This one's crazy. Have you ever been in an actual fist fight? That's not something that everybody does, but is it kind of a common thing? Have you ever been in an actual fist fight where, where punches, I'm not talking about shouting matches or shoving matches, I'm talking about actual, an actual fight. Yes, our, our fist fights count, sister. I had an older sister, so I had to protect myself. Have you ever used God's name as a curse word? or as a proclamation of disgust, like, oh my God, or you know, using Jesus' name in vain. Have you ever done something like that? Okay, so how do we do? There's 10 on there. Did anybody get a perfect 10? <laughs> I wanna know who the heathens are. Anyone? All right, you're not willing to admit it if you did. But the point is, is we've all broken some kind of law or something, someone's law at some point because by nature, we're lawbreakers. It's not that hard to see that by nature, we're lawbreakers. I mean, to prove this point, I could have just said, hey, who here has ever told a lie? Every hand should go up in this room or you're lying to me. <laughs> I have to confess to you guys, this wasn't really a, a random list. These are all things that I've actually personally done. So if you guys are still looking for dirt, because my eldership isn't complete yet, you might want to start here, go back and listen to this sermon, uh, and get some ideas to maybe dig up some dirt on me. But I have some funny stories, some not-so-funny stories, some downright shameful stories behind these. Um, I received a speeding ticket coming back from Georgia over New Year's, New Year's Eve. I wasn't paying attention. I'm following traffic. There's barely anybody on the road. I made it easy for one of those state boys that were up there on an overpass. Boom, pulled me over, big ticket. I earned it, I deserved it, I should pay the fine. Broken something like a window, listen, I grew up in San Carlos Park in the 80s where there was nothing but dirt roads, woods, and construction. So every once in a while we would find our way into one of these new construction houses and we might have wreaked a little bit of havoc. Broken a law in a foreign country, I think it was Costa Rica when we were there. Um, there was a no trespassing area, but as my family would attest to, when I'm out on vacation and we're out exploring stuff, I don't stay on pads. I ended up in an area that was a no trespassing area, and I could have gotten a lot of trouble if someone wasn't nice enough to just point me out of there. Hospitalized for doing something reckless. I was in seventh grade. I was fearless. I thought it was unbreakable which, you know, most teenage boys or preteen boys do. I was about 30 feet up in the air on a, on a tree fort platform that we built. It was just the platform. There was no walls. And I talked to another kid into coming up there with me. So I thought it would be really funny to sway it back and forth and scare him. Well, at one point, the fort went that way, and I went that way. And I fell about 30 feet and uh, ruptured my spleen and ended up in the hospital for two weeks. So... I'm very familiar to doing dumb things. I'm familiar to breaking laws. Why? Because if you are a living, breathing human being this morning and you're here, you're a sinner. You're a lawbreaker. 
That's why our title for our sermon this morning is Confession Brings Forgiveness. This is one of the most important things that we can focus on as a Christian. We all need it. We all need forgiveness. We've all done something to deserve this. That's why we need forgiveness. Let's look at our, our text today. We're going to be in 1 John 1, uh, looking at verses 8 through 10. If you don't have your Bible today, it's up, it'll be up on the screens. John writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, one of the things that I love about 1 John, and it's talking about the assurance of salvation, John doesn't mind stepping on some toes. I love how he's just straight to the point, listen, here's the truth, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it's that important. If we, take all the, if we take these three verses and we condense them into one idea, we get this. As Christians, we must understand that we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. There's this idea out there that if you just confess your sin, you ask Jesus for forgiveness, you become a Christian, that's it. Then you just go on and you just live your life as normal. But we have to understand, as Christians, we, we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. Let's break these verses down to see why that's true. We'll start out in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Are you a good person? One of my favorite evangelists, uh, Ray Comfort, when he's out doing street evangelism, he'll use this question to start a conversation, to start a spiritual conversation. And he'll go out on the street and he'll say, hey, do you think you're a good person? 99% of the time, people will go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that bad of a person. Yeah, I guess I'm a good person. Well, here's the issue. What, they're, what we're doing you know, and I might answer that question that way if I'm kind of caught off guard. But what we're doing is that we're not measuring ourselves by God's law. We're, we're measuring ourselves by man's law. Essentially, what we're saying is, you know, I haven't really been openly mean to anybody today. Um, I haven't robbed any banks, and I didn't kill anybody. So, yeah, I guess I'm doing okay. I'm better than that guy. So we answer that, yeah, I guess I'm a pretty good person. Well, that's when uh, Ray brings them to the, t the Ten Commandments. So bringing them to the law. And he'll say something like that, something like this. Have you ever told a lie? Well, we've already established that this morning. We all have, right? Have you ever taken something small that didn't belong to you, even if it's tiny, an eraser off your friend's desk or anything? Have you ever used God's name as a curse word? What do you call somebody that, that lies? Liar. What do you call someone that steals? A thief. What do you call someone that uses God's name as a curse word? Blasphemer. You're blaspheming God's holy name. So if God was just to judge you by three of the Ten Commandments, you're going to stand before him on judgment day. You will stand. And not, I'm, I'm not admitting this. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of this, I'm saying. 
You've just admitted to me that you're a lying, thieving, blasphemer of God's holy name. That's how you're going to face God on judgment day. So I ask you again, are you a good person? It's a little harsh, isn't it? Ouch, it hurts. You know, what's funny is that a lot of people don't talk about this, but Jesus did that. Jesus did that in the Gospels. If you see people, it was always accordance to the, the condition of the person's heart. I remember the story of the rich young ruler in Luke. He kind of strolls up on Jesus and he's like, hey, teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of getting the idea, okay, you know, I, I'm, I know how to deal with this guy, asks him, well, you know the commandments, right? And he said, you know, I've kept those since I was young. And I could just imagine Jesus looking at this guy going, really? You've kept all the commandments since you, since, since you were young. Okay, we'll try this. Go and sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and then come back and follow me. Because he knew that would break the rich young ruler's heart. Because he knew there was no way that he was going to do that. It said that he, the rich young ruler kind of went off, kind of disdained, is kind of the idea of that passage. Why would Jesus do that? Was he just being a jerk? It's like, wow, this guy was like trying to figure out the way to eternal life. And he basically broke his back with the letter of the law. In fact, every time you see that in scripture, someone coming up and saying, well, well, I'm as good as this. I can follow the law. I can do good enough, Lord, that I can earn heaven. Oh, yeah, what he says, what does he say about being angry enough to hate somebody? What is that equal to? Murder. If you've ever looked at somebody else with lust that is not your spouse, he said, you've committed adultery in your heart. So every single time we try to justify ourselves by the law, Jesus said, try again. But here's what's crazy. John is saying this to believers. He's, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's saying, if, if you say you have no sin, you have a real problem. If you're a Christian and you're sitting here today and you say, I have no sin, I'm good with God. He doesn't really care about all those little things that I do in my life. It's no big deal. He's saying you have a really big problem because the truth is not in you. Now, that could mean two things because, you know, that it is a, a test of salvation. So I'm not trying to convince you this morning that you're not saved. But hey, listen, if I can, that maybe there is something there. But I'll tell you this. It's either the truth is not in you or you're not allowing the, the truth in you to, to have its intended purpose. We have the Holy Spirit inside us that tells us these things. Hey, listen, what you're involved in right now, that's, that's not really good. That's not really good. It's not the, that's not what a Christian should do. It's that still small voice inside us that sometimes we kind of block out. But that brings us to our, verse, our first point. Every Christian should understand that they are sinful because of the truth of the gospel. Let me explain that. Every Christian should understand they're sinful because of the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel says men are sinners and need Jesus to defeat sin. Amen? So we understand by the truth of the gospel, we need Jesus because we're sinners. So how do we defeat this sin in our lives? John goes on in verse 9 to explain this. 
It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. John goes on to say this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is so much in this one verse. I could preach an entire sermon just on this verse. It is that amazing and filled with God's awesome wonder. See, John's not wondering if we have sin in our life. He's saying, if we confess our sins. It's so weird. It's, it's, it's so weird how we become like nose blind to sin in our lives, right? You know what I mean by nose blind? You know, that commercial where the mom walks in and a teenage son's like, hey, mom, my room's clean. And she sees a giant gym sock because it smells like that. Uh, where I work in the paint store, I'll, often people will come in and they'll be like, whew, man, the fumes in here are outrageous. And I'm like, what? I don't smell anything. Because <laughs> I've com- become nose blind to it. I mean, we're like that way in our lives with, this, with sin in our lives. It's just that it becomes common practice. It's not a big deal. We, we become sin blind. But again, that's because we start to judge ourselves by man's law and when we forget about God's law. See, it's just like when we were saved, we recognized sin, and, and what we did is we recognized sin, we recognized we needed a, a, a savior, so we gave that to Jesus. It's the same way with our being sanctified in our lives. Sanctified is a big fancy word that means that we're made more like Jesus every day. That's our goal. Our goal is to be like Christ. But as we're being sanctified, as God is doing our work, that work in us, we need to do our part. And the big part of that is confessing. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that God sees the sin in your life and he knows every single thing that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So why, why do we have to confess it? Confession is a, is a wonderful thing. I think it's more for us than it is for him. I think it's more for us because we get a chance to say, God, I'm agreeing with you that what I'm involved in, I'm agreeing with you that what I'm doing is wrong and that I get to confess that to you. I get to tell you that I agree with what, you're, what I'm doing is wrong and that I know that you can help me. So why do we confess? Because he alone is faithful and just to forgive our sins. God is faithful. When God tells you something, when you see this in God's word, and he says, if you do this, I'll do this, it's money in the bank. You could depend on it every single time because God cannot lie. So if God said, if you're faithful to confess, I am faithful to forgive every single time even if it's that one pet sin in your life that keeps coming up again and again and again, the one that doesn't seem like it's ever gonna go away, and you just figure, ah, that's just part of my life, that's just who I am. But then you get convicted and you feel like maybe I should confess that, and you go back to God again, and you're like, God, yeah, it's me again. You remember that one thing? Well, I need forgiveness for that. He says, no problem. I am faithful to forgive you of that sin. Here's what's really awesome, is he's the only one that can. It says in that verse that he's just. He's faithful and he's just. Just is short for justice. Now, we all have this idea of sin in our lives, like God should just overlook it. It's not that big of a deal. But how 
how much of a wicked judge would God be if he didn't punish sin? If God promised that he was going to punish all evil on this earth one day, how wicked of a judge would he be if he just turned his head? Jesus is just to forgive our sins because there's no place in history where God's judgment and wrath and mercy came together than on the cross. Jesus legally justified us because he took our place on the cross. He paid our fine for what we were supposed to incur, which was the wrath of God because of our sin. He is the only one that is just to forgive us of our sins. So not only is he faithful, he's able, people. That's good news. Amen? This is the purpose of why focusing on sin in our lives is so important. I know there's a lot of places and a lot of people that are like, ah, I don't really like to talk about sin. Why, why are we doing that? I mean, is it just to make us feel bad? Like, really? You, you really want me to examine everything I do? Doesn't that seem like legalistic? We have to start following all these strict rules where we have to go through all, this, all these ideas of, oh, I know, I messed up again. If we don't recognize that we're in need of a savior and we don't confess it and give it to Jesus, he can't fix it. If we don't identify sin, if we don't confess it, if we don't receive forgiveness and have our hearts cleansed, we can't get past this. If you notice at the end of this, it's almost like a bad info commercial because it's like, but wait, there's more. He not only does he want us to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, there's a big reason why. He wants to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because he, sin is so hurtful in our lives. Listen, it's really bad for sin to go on check in our lives. It's for our own good. It's not like he's sitting up there with his rule book, I'm like, oh, you messed that one up, you messed that one up. Now I'm a holy God and I must punish you. 99% of what we do wrong 99% of what we do as sinful either hurts somebody around us or it hurts us. That's why it's such a big deal to God. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. Because what I'm trying to do this morning, what God's word is trying to do this morning, is not to make us feel guilty. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But it brings us to our second point. We cannot take sin, sin in our lives lightly and must confess it to Jesus so he may change us in his power. We can't take this lightly. We have to identify sin in our lives and we have to confess it. Why? So that he can change us in his power. The worst thing that we could do as a church or as Christians is try to fix everything ourselves. You know what? Some things you might be able to kind of fix, you might be able to fool people in the outside world. You might be able to come in here like me and sometimes just put on the fake smile and tell everybody everything's great. But God knows that's not true. And he doesn't want you to change that. He wants you to confess it. He wants you to, it's like a little kid crying because their toy's broken and their, their daddy's standing there going, if you just give me the toy, I can fix it. But no, daddy, you don't understand. My toy's broken and I'm very upset about it. And he's like, okay, well, just give it to me so I can fix it. That's why we focus on sin. And it also reminds us of our main point. As Christians, we must understand that we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. That has to be on the forefront of our minds. 
as Christians, we must understand that we'll always be sinners in need of a Savior. John continues on in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You might be wondering, okay, well, John kind of dealt with this in verse 8. He comes back to it. See, during this time uh, when this was written, there was this group called the Gnostics. Okay, we don't have to get into a lot of that. They were a philosophical group where they were trying to take Christianity and meld it with kind of philosophy, you know, much like we do today, and trying to get kind of their own religion out of it. Well, they saw sin as not a big deal. Hey, listen, we're human. It's a human thing. Uh, it's, God's not really offended by it. When we, when we come to church, we could be spiritual so we could divide those two worlds. That's kind of how the Gnostics saw it, which, again, is much like today. So people were calling themselves Christians, but they were treating sin lightly. They were treating it like it wasn't a big deal. Like I said, it's very dangerous to live life as a Christian and not deal with sin in your life. Sin will wreak havoc in your life. If you show me a true believer, someone that's a Christian, and they're miserable, it's probably because they have some kind of sin in their life that they're not dealing with. A true Christian will be miserable in sin. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit inside us. I know this from personal experience. Another thing I know from personal experience, God chastens those he loves. That means God disciplines his children. If we're in sin for very long, and it's something that's destructive and hurtful in our lives, God will let us know. I call it God letting a slapping happen. God has brought me to many situations in my life where I'm like, God, why am I experiencing this? And it's not always like that. You know, don't look for ghosts. Sometimes life's just hard. But sometimes in my life, I'm like, God, why have you brought me here? Why am I here? Why am I experiencing this? And then all of a sudden I see it. Oh, I'm shooting myself in the foot. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that. But the worst part about it is what John says here, and he goes back to the gospel. He says, so if we say we have not sinned or we don't sin against God, we make Jesus a liar and we deem his death on the cross worthless. Think about that. When Jesus was arrested and he was beaten and had his beard ripped from his face. We deem that worthless. When they took the whip and they split his back open, we deem that worthless. When they pressed that crown of thorns into his skull, we deem that worthless. When they put him on the cross, when they nailed him to the cross and hung him up there until he died, we make that worthless. When we go around and we pretend like there is no sin in our lives, we have nothing to deal with, we call Jesus a liar. Now, for the unbeliever who say, I don't sin, I don't, I don't need a Savior, you know what? They don't know. They don't know our Savior like we do. You know, when I described all that, you know, uh, emotionally we have a response, right? When we think about our Savior going through all that pain, it's because we know him. It's because we realize what he did for us, right? But when we do that, even unwittingly, 
Even unknowingly, we're calling him a liar. Brings us to our last point. True believers agree they are sinners and they often turn to Jesus for forgiveness. We have this idea that it's a shameful thing to recognize our sin. We don't want to do it. We kind of stay away from it. But if you're a true believer, you understand, we agree, hey, listen, I'm a sinner, and I turn to Jesus often for forgiveness. I like last week how Pastor Matt stood up here as your head lead pastor and said to you, I'm going to sin against you. I'm a sinful human being. Now, do I like that? Because I'm like, hey, I guess I'm not that bad. Bless you. No, I like that because that's what true believers do. We admit we're not perfect. We're not ever going to be perfect until we enter heaven. But we need to aim towards perfection. And the only way to do that is to constantly go to Jesus for forgiveness. As Mike and Zara get ready to play, I want to do something a little bit different today. But first, I, I just want to touch on this, the takeaway Our first point was every Christian should understand that they are sinful because of the truth of the gospel. So let me ask you guys, do you understand that you're still a sinner? This is is a test. This is kind of a have you ever that John gives us. Do you understand that you are still a sinner? Next we talked about we cannot take sin in our lives lightly and must confess it to Jesus. So he may change us in his power. Do you take sin seriously? Do you confess it to Jesus so that he can change you? Or do you try to fix it yourself? Or do you sweep it under the rug? Next, we talked about true believers agree that they are sinners and often turn to Jesus for forgiveness. Is this your life cycle? As Christians, we identify sin, we confess sin, we ask for forgiveness, and we allow Jesus to cleanse us of that. Is that a cycle in your life? If it is, that is great evidence that you are a child of God this morning. If it's not, I'm not saying you're not a child of God, but it does mean that there's an issue. So maybe this is something, you know, that you're hearing for the first time. Maybe this is something that you're like, you know what, I didn't realize this was such a huge part of the Christian life. You know what, listen, we're all growing. We're all in different spots. And Jesus doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your future. So maybe you're here this morning because you needed to hear that. Maybe there's some kind of sin in your life that's kind of got a hold of you. And you fought it and you fought it and you fought it and you don't know how to shake it. Because you're not identifying it as sin. You're not confessing it. You're not being forgiven and cleansed by Jesus. We need to remember, finally... As Christians, we must understand that we will always be sinners in need of a Savior. Now, I'm going to read two verses out of Psalms. And I want this, these two verses to kind of be the prayer of our heart this morning. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Mike and Zara are going to play and sing. But I want this to kind of be a time of reflection. You could just sit in your seats, get comfortable, bow your head. I want you to do business with God. Just you and God. If you need a pastor to come and pray with you, Matt and I will be more than happy to. But I just want you to identify that. 
Make this the prayer of our heart this morning. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Let's pray. Lord, we are all sinners living in a world filled with sin. Help us to focus on the truth of your word. Your word tells us that because you love us, you've made a way for us to be forgiven and saved from our sin and its effects. Although we may still sin against you, you love us and you want us to be forgiven and cleansed from that sin until one day, Lord, we're made perfect in heaven with you. If there's someone here this morning that has never received that, that forgiveness of sin for salvation, I pray that they heard your gospel message and it made sense to them for the first time this morning and they put their trust and faith in you for salvation today. Let me tell you, if that's you, come find me after this and, and come and talk to me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.